And welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media, presented by our friends at FanDuel and Factor Meals. I'm Evan Marinovsky, and today we're debuting a new guest. There's a new guest on the show, and it's Belle Frazier of the Hockey News. She does a lot for BU with us at New England Hockey Journal, but she does a lot of Bruins, and it's time. Belle, what is up? Hi, Evan. Thanks for having me. Very excited to be here. I've been a devoted Bruins Beat listener this year, so ecstatic to be on the show. Well, I am excited to have you, and thank you. Um, Connor Ryan usually does the first episode of the week, but Connor is very sick. Uh, he's got some viral thing. I don't know. He can't talk. So I've kid for one BU kid, it, it, a Boston hockey blogger for one. <laughs> well, so this is the thing, and and I realized it today. Uh, I think we've had like three or four straight BU people on this show because it was you. Scott McLaughlin comes on. Connor obviously is a regular. And it's like, I'm getting a little sick of the BU people. There's too many of you guys. And I know, uh, really infiltrated the Bruins beat. You have. We've t- I've talked about this with a few people. Um, there's a couple UMass, but there's a lot of BU, which makes sense. You know, you're a student at BU, you're a senior at BU, which yeah. is really impressive that you're doing all this stuff. So props to you, um, even though you do go to BU. So yeah. <laughs> we can agree on though. We don't like BC. So no, I we, we can. Yeah, that's one thing we're totally fine on. Yes. Uh, the, especially after UMass got porked this weekend. By uh, against- it almost looked close on Friday. I was like, ah, and then <laughs> well, I turned the game on. I got home from a prep game and uh, the uh, UMass was obviously hosting BC mm-hmm. and it was like two to one in the third. And I'm like, all right, like they got this. And then BC just, you know, Ryan Leonard just started going off. And yeah. I, I was like, I got to turn that. I got to turn this off. I, I can't take it. <laughs> but then they got screwed with officiating that night. They got screwed with officiating on Saturday or excuse me, Sunday. So that continues. But um, whatever. Who cares? It's it's in the past. It's in, yeah. UMass is going to find a way in the tournament. And that's all that matters. Um, speaking of resilience, uh, the Bruins get a resilient win on Monday, the afternoon matinee, uh, beating Dallas 4-3 in a shootout. I thought when Craig Smith was coming in on that shootout attempt, I was like, that's going in. And I just, I think Andrew Raycroft said this in the post game show and he's right. It's kind of a little bit of a symbol symbolism of how Craig Smith's career has gone the last couple of years, uh, right there, but not quite there. And I thought the term- that one went in. I was like, Oh man. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It was like, cause after McAvoy had won, it's like, you know, how many got more guys do you have on the bench that can go right. McAvoy? though is sneaky a very good sh- uh, guy in the shootout he's he's always uh a guy that goes later than he should mm-hmm. who is pretty good at it um and again thank god the Bruins got to the shootout because man I think they touched the puck what like five times in overtime yeah they never had it yeah no I think that game felt like the most one of the more must-win games of the regular season just closing out the seven game homestand they'd lost five of their last six if they lost that, they would have only won one game in the homestand. And, you know, I mean, honestly, homestand or not, losing six of seven at this point yeah. of the season, it's it's not good. And Jim Montgomery, his message the whole week has been like, I like our process. I like our details. We just have to, like, push it over the edge. It's like that's almost not an excuse anymore. Like, everyone's sticking to the process right now. Like, you just have to learn how to win games. So I think this was a really important win, especially ahead of a four-game Western road trip facing some tough competition and Seattle who they already faced last, I guess last week at this point. Well, I was going to say like, you look at how this homestand went 
and it was wasn't great. You know, there were a couple of close calls in there, but you know, like Tampa, I couldn't get that done. And then you had some ugly games like Calgary uh, and Seattle. But you look at Mondays, and I'm watching, and I'm like, you know, if they can't pull this out, they're gonna go on the ro- they're gonna go on the road. And road trips can be galvanizing, and that can help. Yeah. But at the same time, you don't want to go off like that, where you you ha- you know you have a stinker against Dallas because let's face it, and I don't mean to make this a negative thing. But you got two goals from the fourth line throughout the game. You're not going to get that all the time. It's good you got it. Congrats to Justin Brazeau for doing that. I mean, that's awesome. Dude's yeah. huge. Gets a goal. Um, and Boquist had a good game. And he was rewarded by going in the shootout and getting a chance to shoot it straight into Ottinger's blocker. But that's okay. He still was in it, which was great. Um, but then, you know, you look at, you know, your your one other goal was um, was the six-on-five Pasternak uh, one-timer. You know, I I don't mind getting outshot if you're getting a lot of high danger looks. They did have 12 at five on five, but it felt like some of their sustained ozone time was just, you know, passing around the perimeter, shot from the point. And I, I don't love that stuff. So it wasn't the prettiest win, but I think it kind of hits back at like, you did it. And I think that's kind of all that matters. Well, I think, yeah, it's interesting talking about the high danger chances, especially in the third period when it's tied 2-2. You could feel the TD guarding crowd getting frustrated and even watching, you're just like, like learn how to extend a lead, you know, like (laughs) learn how to win in the third period. And when Dallas scored to take the lead there, I mean, it just went silent. It's like, are we really, are they really doing this again? Um, But then at the same time, like you have six on five with Poshnok in his office, that no look pass from Charlie McAvoy was highlight real material. You can see it developing too. It was good. Yeah. Yeah, so it's great that the Bruins ultimately have that talent to fall back on and no matter whatever situation they're in. Um, but yeah, it's so true. In the third period, you really didn't feel that offensive firepower that, you know, they're going to go out and score on this next shift that you really saw in the beginning of the season. No, you didn't. And, you know, it's funny, like, we're going to get to the trade deadline in a little bit and kind of how things are looking heading out west. Um, and like, I love Danton Heinen's game. I do. But on the third line, I, I, you know, and again, like it's nothing against him personally or anything, but I just think if you're going to go into the playoffs, you've got to figure out something or, or so, you know, a more long-term fit with that top six. And it's tough because that's going to cost you a lot. I think that's the really tough part is they don't have the assets. Um, it would take a lot to get someone who can, you know, stick in your top six, but you see a guy like Heinen who pitches in scoring here and there. Um, you know, plays a really strong two-way game. He's a great penalty killer, but I don't know if that's your long-term solution in the top six. And I think when you have a guy like that in the top six, there are going to be some games where he pops and it's like, okay, didn't Heine get you a goal and an assist or, oh, you know, contributed to a few different uh, big scoring opportunities. But then there's games like today where it's just, the scoring's not really there. And I think that's the tough part with this top six is it's not, it's not rounded out the way I think you would want a team that is uh, a Stanley cup contender to be rounded out. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the top six scoring, we can talk about trade deadline just hasn't fully been there when you need it. Like you said, the two goals from the fourth line was huge. Like I think that's been a really big problem for the Bruins this year. Third line has been good, but they really haven't had a real identity to their fourth line that they needed them to. And you've kind of seen that come the past couple games. It's a really small sample size. Who knows how long these guys are going to be up for But there are games like this where it would have been nice if, you know, your second line right winger scored. Um, But at the same time, like, I don't know 
I can't think of anyone that could go one for one in a trade or one for one in prospect in a trade with the Bruins at the deadline that would make them immediately better come playoff time. I agree. And I think that's the tough part in that, you know, I guess if it was for someone like Lindholm and you really were like, we're going to lock him up long-term and this and that, then that makes sense. And you can deal pieces and prospects for that. But, you know, in terms of, I think the real addition to this team uh, for the playoffs is Jake DeBrusque. And this, I've said this a lot over the past couple of weeks. I don't, I think you're at the point of no return. You can't deal him off at this point because you're in the thick of a playoff push. Um, unless you're dealing him for someone you're going to have long-term that you know is better. You can't deal a guy like DeBrusque in a playoff push like this. Uh, and so to me, that's sort of the, the addition uh, that you have. Um, and I think that that isn't the greatest thing in the world, but it is something, you know, like that is a, a he gets going at the right time. Cause I think that's the thing with DeBrusque this coming into this season you know, it's a whole story. Contract year, wants to stay in Boston now, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, he needs to be consistent. He needs to reach the 30 goal mark, the whole thing. Like everyone was saying it. And then he comes in and he's had spurts of three or four games among like two weeks of each other where you're like, oh, maybe this is the turning point. Like, I think at the hockey news, we've written three different articles. Like, oh, <laughs> like, is this like, this is it finally, you know, and he just hasn't put together. I think like, since the Christmas break, more than five games in a row where you're really feeling him make a big impact. But at the same time, he's proven what he can be for this team. It's just how much patience does this team have? Does Montgomery have? Do the fans have? But I guess, I mean, like you said, it doesn't matter. Like they're past the point of return with, with moving DeBrusque at this point. So uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of just honestly up to him to kind of be the player that they need him to be at this point. I want to hit on a thing with DeBrusque that I think is important to note uh, when it comes to kind of forecasting what he's going to do the rest of the year. But first, a quick word from our friends over at FanDuel. Quick break in the show to tell you about our good friends over at FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 bucks if your bet wins bet on all your favorite nba players and teams with quick bets live same game parlays exclusive props and more just visit fanduel.com boston and shoot your shot fanduel the official sportsbook partner of the nba 21 plus and present in mass hope is here first online real money wager only ten dollar first deposit required bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com, gamblinghelplinema.org, or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start, gamesensema.com, or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Now, back to the conversation. So, uh, I mentioned DeBrusque before the commercial break there, and, you know, when the Bruins were going good prior to this, home, prior to coming home, yeah. <laughs> prior to being home for seven straight days, their offense was generated on just working hard, working hard below the below the goal line. Um, you know, forcing turnovers. Uh, you know, finding guys in front of the net and converting chances. And that is where Jake DeBrusque does well. You know, we've always said this: DeBrusque is not the guy that's going to dangle through three guys and go top corner. He's not the guy that's going to, you know, set up for one-timers. 
like Ovechkin or something like that. Uh, and I, he's not, he's not doing much of that now anymore. Um, instead, it's a lot of the gritty stuff. He, yeah. you know, he's a, he's kind of got that gritty side to him. And Van Riemsdyk is similar to this too. And I at some point. Love JVR's game right now. Sorry. <laughs> I agree. And so I, JVR's game right now, um, the little passes he makes in front of the net, how he creates offense. Um, he's so subtle. Yeah. With some of these things. And so there's sometimes where he tries to go through his legs and, you know, put in a chance in front of the net where you, that's where you notice, but there's just some t small little small area passes he makes through like two defenders in front of the net where you're like, that's an NHL veteran. Like yeah. that guy's fucking been in the league a while. And so, um, then Reeves like is, is like that Debrusque though. There is that there. It's just do it consistently. Yeah. And I think both of those, you know, both of those guys sort of more so DeBrusque finding consistency, I think could really help you five on five scoring going forward. A thousand percent. And Montgomery talked about this, I think, last month about DeBrusque, where when goals aren't going in for him, he kind of overthinks his game as most players do and almost works too hard. And it's the cliche after every loss. It's like, we need to simplify our game. We need to simplify our game. But it's true. And you've seen DeBrusque's 200-foot game really improve this year. Defensively, in the first half of the season, you're like, oh, like, is DeBrusque a two-way, like, forward more so <laughs> than he was last year? And he talked about that, too, just having to better the other areas of his game to help the team win when he wasn't scoring. Um, but, yeah, I think consistency is key. And just with JVR, it's funny. He was talking to the media earlier this week before his three-point night against the Kings saying he's kind of had to learn not to be known as a goal scorer later in his career. Like he came in kind of top six, like he's going to score the game winning goal every night. And he's really embraced the more like grittier net front veteran position he's had. And then he goes and scores two goals the next night. So he was kind of joking about that. Like it, it was nice to actually have them go in, but the way he's kind of embraced what he means to this Bruins team, I think has made all the difference. And a lot of these guys, like even Danton Heinen, who obviously isn't the solution to the top six problems, like he's been anything Montgomery needs him to be up and down the lineup. Um, so I think that's kind of been key too, and keeping the Bruins afloat, even when they're hitting slumps like this, they're still obviously in the playoff picture, um, is these guys just buying into to what they need to do. And, you know, you met, you hit it there with guys like Heinen, Frederick, Geeky, um, you know, JVR, guys that going into the year, you were like, ah, maybe third liner, you know, but they've been guys that can step up and step into situate to any situation, um, and, and do well. Uh, it's just, you know, can they do it long-term? Can you sort of mix those guys up long-term to generate something? Um, I think that's kind of the big question, uh, in terms of this upcoming trip, you know, it's nice to end, uh, on a, like they did against Dallas, you know, it's kind of a blueprint for how you're going to win in the playoffs. Jeremy Swayman makes 43 saves. You win the game. You know, uh, you find you you dig up scoring from in the lineup. You beat a better team. You stick yep. to your game. All that stuff. Um, but are you worried about the Bruins right now? I a little, yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> it's a, it's a I, legitimate answer. A little bit. A little bit. I mean, I definitely agree with what a lot of the message coming from the team has been, which is like the last three games, we didn't get the win, but it wasn't like we played how we did against Calgary or how we played against Washington. Like those two losses were really concerning because it was just zero effort. It was sloppy. There was not even more than a shift or two where they got to Bruins hockey. And I think that was worrying where it's like, 
oh, like it's completely unraveling. But mm -hmm. the past four games, four or five games, I think they're playing quite similarly to how they've played most of the year. It's just the teams they're facing are a lot more desperate and they've gotten better since the first time they faced them and they need the points too. So I think a bit worried, but at the same time, it's just like, the Bruins have it. Like, I know the roster doesn't look the same as it did last year. A lot of Twitter yeah. mentions being like, this is an AHL team, whatever. But it's not. Like, you look at that top nine, and that they've been pretty productive. Yes, the fourth line today all started the year in Providence. But, hey, they had, they had four points. Um, exactly. Can't argue with uh, the scoreboard. You cannot argue with that. Yeah. But I do think, too, like, facing Calgary again on this road trip is going to be huge. Like, not that they shouldn't go into that game fired up, but if there's not a galvanizing force to kind of like prove yourself um, after the showing they had at TD Garden, um, I don't know what is. So I think the road trip is actually coming at a perfect time. Montgomery is joking about his wife being like, can you please go on the road? Um, <laughs> and it's true. Like he, he was saying it's weird for them to be in their home routines for this amount of time. And I think team bonding, play cards, I don't know what you need to do, but I think they, they have to – get out and and kind of come together here and get through this together. Today was a good stepping point, but I think they need at least two dominant regulation wins out of this road trip to kind of feel like um, they can push through the rest of the regular season. I agree. It could not come at a better time. It really could. Seven games at home, that's great and all, but you're right. You get into the home routine, um, you know, you just – uh, and it didn't go well. If you win seven in a row or you win five of, of seven, then it, then it's fine. But that wasn't the case here. Um, I want to talk deadline. I want to talk, um, you know, what needs to change, things like that. But first, a quick word from our friends at Factor Meals. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian-approved meals delivered right to your door. There are two-minute meals. Fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. There's snacks, smoothies, and more. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily, and they're flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And no prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and ready to eat, and there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. So head to factormeals.com slash Bruins50 and use code Bruins50 to get 50% off. That's code Bruins50 at factormeals.com slash Bruins50 to get 50% off. Now, back to the show. Uh, so the deadline. It obviously, is the big thing. March 8th is the day. Uh, what's it, like two, three weeks away? Mm -hmm. Around that. So it, it's coming up. Um, we talk about it like every week. How can you not? It's the biggest thing. Um, what do you think is the biggest need the Bruins have? I think it's two things. It's the two obvious things I think everyone's talking about. Like a top six wing, I think what we were talking, like a goal scorer, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but also defense. Like that third pair, I think it's held up well enough. Kevin Shattenkirk and Parker Watherspoon have been flipping in and out for one another. I just don't know in a playoff series if it's going to give you what it needs to give you. And 
you know, Forward and Shattenkirk provide that veteran presence. They're more gritty, whatever. Like Shattenkirk has some offensive upside, but like they're slow and yeah. the turnovers aren't great. And it's not just them. Like I'm not trying to throw those two under the bus. You know, Matt Grizzlick had an atrocious um, turnover today, Jeremy Swayman. There really? was two two straight on that. There was a pass yeah. to the middle that got knocked down, and then, yeah, I agree with you. But crazy I to hear you say bad things about people who went to BU. I did not think I'd see that out of you in this episode, but here we are. Unbiased reporter, Evan. Yes, um, very unbiased. <laughs> did you see Charlie McAvoy shootout shot? Anyways, <laughs> um, but no, I think some some depth d- defensively, left shot. For Forbert, perhaps. I think he's been struggling a lot with injury. Montgomery has never really said that he's ever been back to 100%. Um, Scott McLaughlin asked Montgomery about Forbert yesterday, and he said he's a guy that's trying to get back into the rhythm of the game. Um, He's happy with some of his games. He's sure that Forbert wants to make some corrections on other ones. So not that it's a, a glaring hole because, you know, they had almost four defensemen earlier in the season. Mason Lorai came out. And then that's when Watherspoon really earned his keep. And I really like Parker Watherspoon. He's shown no reason not to stay up and be an option for them. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's not as a bulletproof blue line as the Bruins have had. And that you're going to need in playoffs. Like you look at the Vegas decor, just as a recent example of a Stanley Cup winning team. And I don't know if, I mean, that's always the goal for the Bruins, but it just doesn't match up. I, even the like the New York Rangers too, just looking at, someone who's kind of neck and neck with the Bruins right now. Like, I just think there's a little bit more depth there, but at the same time, it comes back to the same conversation. Like, what are you going to give? Who are you going to get? Uh, do you just bust everyone up from Providence and, and and hope it works out? I, it's interesting. I see a lot of stuff on Twitter about Forbert and people saying, you know, he shouldn't be playing right now. Um, he, you know, he, he, he's not good enough. I couldn't disagree more. Um, he isn't good enough right now, 100. Yeah. percent I mean, there were some terrible mental mistakes today. There have been numerous uh, missed coverages in front, all that stuff. This is when you play that out of your game. This is when, in February, when you are safely in the playoffs. I know Florida just overtook you for first, but that's not because your third pairing left shot defenseman is messing up and adjusting back to NHL hockey. He was out for a while. This is when you get ready. This is when you play your way back into being an everyday NHL player. Um, but that doesn't mean you don't add at the deadline. Um, I agree with you. Someone you can, I mean, for obvious reasons, move like no at all. <laughs> because you're stu- you're sort of stuck with not stuck, but he's your only big guy like that that plays the way he does. You have other puck movers. Yeah. You don't have a lot of guys like Forbert. And when he's playing to his full potential too, like you see what he does for the team. I think Brandon Carlo has really stepped up in the past month or two to kind of pick up the slack in that like puck eating, um, letting Hampus Lindholm kind of find his game, which he looked like he got hurt today and ha- hasn't been playing his best hockey. But, you know, it's it's a balance. And and I, I agree with you. I think forward isn't something you can just like look over and be like, oh, He's old and slow now. Like, let's try to move on. But at the same time, I do think some of the Bruins' struggles recently has been like not being able to push the puck up in transition, turnovers in their own end, like that type of thing. So, yeah, like you said, it doesn't mean you don't add, but it also doesn't mean you dismantle, you know, the the veteran depth you have back there. 
I mean, you think back to last year. I mean, it's easy to do this, but you think back to last year against Florida in that first round, right? Where Florida just completely ruined your breakout. You could not move the puck out of your own zone in those final three games. And it, that was really, I thought, the biggest reason they lost that series. Yeah. Um, are you confident that this decor that's that's having those same problems now is going to suddenly, you know, magically be okay come the playoffs? And I think that's sort of where I look at it. Like, you know, um, obviously you want to have bigger guys back there that can move guys out of the way. You know, can Kevin Shattenkirk do that on a consistent basis? Probably not. Um, you know, but you, you never know. Yeah, maybe he can. Maybe he can. But I just, to me, you need depth back there. And again, it's going to be hard to find a guy who has some size who moves the puck well. You know, it's hard yeah. to do. But Dom Tiano uh, tweeted out something about uh, Alexander Carrier from uh, the National Predators. I think he's like 5'11", right shot defenseman. Um, you know, I'd be open to it. Again, like I'm, I'm all for adding depth to the back end at this point. Um, but I just, it's, it's got to be the right kind of guy. And you need a little bit of size. Uh, you need to be able to move the puck. I mean, that's everybody in the NHL these days, but with this team. And I think, uh, you know, and even guys like Hampus Lindholm, who you're relying on as sort of that number one left shot defenseman, um, he has his moments uh, moving the puck. And and there are times with him where, you know, there was even, I think it was today when he got hurt or looked to get hurt, he won a 50-50 battle, but then couldn't quite finish it. The guy kind of pulled him down. Now, if that's an injury, then that's an injury. I mean, I'm not, you know, (laughs) get up. Let's get up. Come on. Rubs it up. It'll be fine. Um, but I but there are those things that worry me. And I think the left side, especially where it's you know, Lindholm, Grizzlick, Forbert, they all have pretty big holes, relatively speaking. You know, Grizzlick and and Forbert, especially, but Lindholm is sort of that number one guy. Um I, so to me, I, you know, I think top six, I know you mentioned top six forward, and I agree with you, you do need one. I don't know if you're getting one at this deadline. I no. think Lindholm and Monahan off the board, at, like now's not really the time. You don't have the assets. What I would rather them look towards is some depth in the bottom six, you know, another forward in there who can, you know, play a little bit of size and generate chances. I don't know if Brazo is that guy because, I mean, yeah. it was first NHL game, although right now he is averaging a goal per game in his career. So I think, he, I think he should retire, retire yeah. so you end as a, a goal per game guy. Um, but I think you do also need depth on D and I think you can do both. I mean, do you think they can do both? Yeah. I mean, I think I agree with you about, you're probably not touching the top six. Like there's just, I can't think of anyone that would make sense in terms of a package that the Bruins would be able to give. Um, but I agree. I think, yeah, bottoms, can I do both? Probably. Like if it should be able to be blockbuster, and, and that's sometimes what works out the best. Like, sorry for another Rangers example. I grew up in New York. <laughs> Are you from New York? Are you from New York? My goodness. But you look at the Rangers miracle run a couple of years ago, and Chris Jury brought in Andrew Kopp, Frank Vitrano, you know, like guys that the NHL wasn't posting like big posters for on Instagram for the big trades. And they ended up being, you know, the stars of, of that run. So I think it really doesn't matter about the name or the the pre-trade value. It's how is it going to fit into this Bruins puzzle? Like they don't need any defensemen. They need exactly what we talked about. I think bottom six size is really big and edge is really big. Like a, a less, maybe a less talented Trent Frederick, who's a couple inches taller. Like they need some of that Bruins grit back in their game. I think Frederick has really tried to carry a lot of that on. And, 
you know, they have McAvoy and whatever, but you you want to be scared to skate against the team's bottom six, especially the Boston Bruins, who are who are known for that, especially come playoff time. So yeah, I think they can do both. I think they want to do both, especially looking at all the guys they've sent up and down the past month, Oscar Steen too. Like Montgomery had a really interesting quote today. He said, I think Steener gave us all that he had. And like, that was great from him, but like we needed to make a change when you're losing and he was the change we made. And I don't think anyone in that bottom six has particularly been the problem, but no one's been the solution either, you know? So yeah, you got to go get someone um, because you have to be able to roll four lines too, or three, three and a half. Um, if you're going to be in a series like Florida or honestly against anyone in the East right now. So I think you need that fourth line to click at some point. I, yeah. I think you need it bad, whether it's, you know, to take away a team's top line. That was one thing the Bruins of a few years ago kind of had the advantage of was you had guys like Corrali, Achari, Wagner, who could go against the team's top line and shut it down and, and be cool with that. I think the tough part now is they're all young. I mean, I think Oscar Steen is going to be one of those between AHL and NHL guys. I don't think there's a lot there in terms of a ceiling. I think Lauco has shown that maybe there is a little something there. Um, I know Hags and I talked about it last week because uh, you know Fluto had written about uh, Lauco potentially being a trade candidate. Yeah. Um, I think there's still a little more there with Lauco into what he can give you, and 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 he intrigues me in that bottom six as someone that you should kind of see if he can keep giving you something. No, I completely agree about Lauco. Like you kind of see glimpses of it and every time he's in um, and that goal, Richard's first goal um, mm -hmm. as a Bruin two games ago, that was Lauco against the boards, winning that puck battle, like really fighting for it, really um, set that goal up. And you're like, okay, if that was you, if that was Lauco shift to shift, <laughs> um, that would be what great. a difference it would make. Right. So I think he's shown that he can do that. It's just, he just needs to be pushed that much more. And I think Montgomery, whether he's trying to send a message or not, Lauco's also battling an upper body injury, he said, but having him in and out of the lineup, healthy scratch some games, I think it puts a fire under him to, to be that type of player that he was um, when he made that pass. So I mean, I, I think there's definitely more there for him in a way that there wasn't more there for Steen. I agree. I agree. And I, I just, you know, that has to click at some point. And I think the third line is close to finding identity with guys like Geeky and 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 so and, and those guys. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you don't have to do anything big. I've said this a thousand times over the last couple of weeks. You know, I mean, bringing it back to 2011, which Bruins fans love talking about. Everybody loves talking about it around here, obviously. Yeah, exactly. It's everyone's favorite year around here. Um, you went out and got Chris Kelly and Rich Peverly and Tomas Caberlet, and that was it. You you know, you added depth uh, at forward. You added a puck-moving defenseman who didn't do a heck of a lot in the, in the postseason, but he was an, an extra body. Um, I think you can do that again this year and be okay, and you can supplement what you have. Um, you know, does Sweeney get crafty and add someone huge up front? I don't think so. I think Han like if you said to me, you know, Sweeney's going to go out and get Noah Hannafin, maybe. And I mean, that would help. Um, and I think that's someone they want and, and yeah. all that. But up front, I don't think there's. <laughs> yeah. Say like, Seb's guy is a local guy. Like that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, but in terms of up front, I don't know who it would be. Um, I think free agency might be more the route this year um it's funny how this team's biggest problem going into the year was like they need a number one center so bad and I it hasn't been the case at all <laughs> i don't think you've mentioned the center position for the past like 30 minutes at all 
No, it hasn't come up once. And you've gotten a miracle. <laughs> it is. It is. And but I, you know, I said this a lot at the beginning of the year. And uh, you know, people were iffy on it. But like, you know, Bergeron and Krejci gave you a ton, right? I'm not saying they, I'm never saying they didn't. They were outstanding. They're, you know, incredible. I'm all for Bergeron and Krejci. But their production last year was not anything crazy. It was good, but it wasn't irreplaceable. It was, you know, it's like in Moneyball. We, you know, Moneyball when they're uh, replacing Giambi, Isringhausen, and uh, Damon. And, you know, Bean's going around the table going like, what's the problem? Like, we got to replace Jombie, uh, Israelhausen, and and Damon. And he's like, wrong. And it's like, the problem is you have to replace their production. You got to place their yeah. replace their runs. And with the Bruins, with, you know, Bergeron and Krejci, you know, you can't replace their leadership, obviously. That's impossible. Um, but in terms of two-way play and just points, Coyle and Zaka are on pace. I was gonna say, and Charlie they've been good Coyle defensively. Praised enough for what he's done this year. Completely agree. So quietly too. Like he is, yeah, the, the, the player he's turned into not only just like crushing all of his career points, it looks like he's on pace to do. Um, but we've said consistency so much as podcast, but it's true. Like Charlie Coyle has had very few games strung together where you're like, oh man, like is, is he in a slump? Like he really hasn't been. And he's been such a leader for that group too. I mean, the and that was something I wanted to mention too. I know it's not the stats or the stuff that really counts at the trade deadline or the amount you believe in a team, but those guys like in the locker, they really believe in each other. Like the vibe in the room, even after a loss, especially after a win at practice, especially the last couple months, has been good. You know, like it hasn't felt you haven't felt that panic in there. Um, and you know, it's like the little things like Swayman coming in with a drumstick or like the camaraderie is there. Um, so I think that's a big thing too, where like they believe in the group they have and that goes a long way when you're like, you could add a couple pieces and we'll make it work. Or you could say, this is the team that's going to try to make a run and we'll try to do that for you. You know? So I don't think they're in there being like, oh man, like get Heinen off, <laughs> off my right wing, you know? So, <laughs> I hate this guy. This guy stinks. Yeah. You know? I agree with you. The vibes are good. I, you know, but I will say this, the vibes were great last year. The vibes yeah. were all time last year. I mean, and I think that's one of the things that I think trauma every, from last year. That's what I mean. Everybody's scarred from last year where it's like, okay, that's great. The goalie hug is cool. I'm all for it. I'm not like, you know, what I'm not like, you know, Felger being like, oh, get get that out of my face. You know, yeah. like it's I'm for it. It's awesome. But I need to see them win around. I've got to because again, Bell, going into last year, I thought they were invincible. Um, I, I did. I thought that they were gonna cruise through. When I saw them at the Winter Classic, it was, you know, they were just the way they won and the way they won down the stretch. And Olmark scored a goal and the goal, like, I mean, it was like just pile on of like, how can you pick against this team? Yeah. And now it's like, all right, we're all protected. And that's why I also think, you know, with this deadline, they rightfully went all in last year. It was good they did. I'm glad they did. I mean, imagine if they didn't do it and then they lost in that same way, would be like, come on, like Sweeney should be gone. Um, But I think they're looking at this year of, they don't, we don't have a ton of assets. That's okay. We yeah. have a good roster. It, it works. Um, there's that potential. We've talked about a number of times in this show where you, you, you do have guys like DeBrusque and Van Riemsdyk who can score in kind of gritty ways. Let's just see what happens. You have the goalies. You know that if one stinks, you can put the other in and yeah. you can go back and forth. Um, one thing on Coil, I don't know if you saw this, the Athletic, did like a player poll where they mm -hmm. pull guys around the league. 
obviously. That's what a player poll is. Um, and they ask every year the underrated players. Yeah. And Barkov wins every year, which to my point, like my point is like Barkov, if he's underrated every year, he's not underrated anymore because right. you can only be underrated for like a year or maybe X two. Time. Yeah. And then you're rated properly. You have moved into the mainstream. I think Charlie Coyle got like 1% of the vote. Um, along with a number of other guys. And it's like, that's a guy who's underrated. Like, yeah. that's a dude who, for so long, it was like, he's not worth his contract. Now it's like, oh, he's worth way more than he's making. So yeah. I agree and with for you. him too, I think it's a, the, one of the bigger things is that he's upped his offensive production. He's upped his responsibility, but he's still that steadfast, stalwart penalty, guy, penalty kill guy. He's still out there in the last two minutes of a game with a one goal lead, you know, the other parts of his game that made him valuable to the Bruins before he was their number one, number two center are still so prevalent. And he's just been able to put it all together and really round out his game, which is it's what they didn't just need a scoring center. They, they needed Charlie Coyle and in, in, in yes. like he is, you know, and he's really he's really stepped up to the plate in that in that sense. I agree with you. And I, 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 I have loved Coyle's game this year um I think he's moved well out of the oh you know he's best as a number three center he has moved completely past that into all right that's a top six center you've got your guy um the only reason I think now you have to go out in the offseason and get uh you know if you really want a top six center is if you want to move Zaka to the wing and that's suddenly your way of like okay we're gonna have a, a solidified top six by putting let's say Lindholm in the middle and we're going to put Zaka on the wing or put Lindholm on the wing with Zaka in the middle. That's the only way you do it. It's not out of necessity. Now. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think you've, they, both of those guys, Coyle and Zaka have moved into their legitimate top six centers. And I've said this before on the show, the only way that you're really getting a, a number one center of the future is if you draft that guy, which is why you yeah. need more first round picks. Um, yeah. So it's interesting too. with Patra feels like he's so out of the picture now, but he's not <laughs> like, no, he's, he's not. He's not. So, and I'm not discount. I'm not discounting Patra. No, but um, I was just thinking like when you said move Zaka to the wing, I'm like, Oh, that's so true. But he's gotten no reps there. And then like, do you move Patra up and then do you move him to the wing? It's like, it's interesting yep. at the deadline. You're kind of thinking of the team for the playoffs and for next season. I, I mean, Patra hasn't crossed my mind when we were talking about it, but that's another piece that you expect will come in better than he was this year, next season and healthier too. Well, I'm glad you brought him up because you're right. I think that's another guy who, you know, if you're going to go out and sign a Lindholm in free agency, you have to think, all right, what's the ramifications of this? Are we going to now push Patra down further? Um, do we need him as much? And I think I want them to develop Patra. I want him to get every opportunity to be a top six center because like you, I believe he can be. I think he showed it this year in spurts. I think he's a 19 year old kid. I, yeah. Like a lot of people are like, oh, he's, he's in over his head. And it's like, no, he's not. But as a 19 year old kid, you're going to have some off nights in the NHL. You're going to get squished like a bug up against the glass at times. It's okay. It's not the worst thing in the world. Um, and I think when he comes back next year, fully recovered with a full off season of working out and getting stronger and getting bigger and knowing what he has to work on. I, I'm very excited to see what Pacho brings you next year. So I haven't counted him out either in terms of potentially being a top six guy next year. Yeah. And that's someone I think you can't just put in a bottom six role, even if he's not playing the best hockey everyone wants him to be. I think you saw right before he got injured when he was on that fourth line, it was like, no offense. Who was it? Beecher at the time or Bokvist at the time and Steen and Lauko, but like 
Potra's not going to get better playing with those guys. No, he's not. NHL reps, but yeah, I agree with you. Like he should have every opportunity to turn into the young center that every Bruins fan was begging for and praying for. <laughs> um, and he randomly kind of became for a couple games there. So yeah, we'll see. That's also something I guess to be excited for, for next season, even though it doesn't apply to, you know, the immediate need for success. What have you done for me lately? That's what it's all about around here. Um, Bell, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, what can the people look forward to from you? You have a million different things you do. Uh, lay it all out. What are pe what should people be looking out for you for? Okay. Well, th first, thanks for having me on. This is very fun. Of course. Of course. Um, for Bruins coverage, it's the Hockey News Bruins site. Um, my Twitter is bellfraser1. The link to the Hockey News is there. Previews, recaps, opinions, ciders, um, Twitter updates, rep practice, games, etc. Uh, if you're a Boston University Terrier fan, which I'm sure everyone is, because how couldn't you be? Boston yeah. Hockey Blog, the Daily Free Press, full coverage of both men's and women's seasons, uh, bostonhockeyblog.com, same on Twitter. And then New England Hockey Journal, save the best for last. Exactly. Working with and Pat, Josh, Mark, the crew. Um, <laughs> what a squad. That's a real yeah, freaking squad. What a squad that is. Um, but yeah, everyone knows New England Hockey Journal. So yeah, that's about it. Well, Bell, we'll have to have you on again um, after the trade deadline or whenever. Uh, but Bell, thank you so much for coming on. And that's been this Bruins Beat. I'm Evan Marinovsky, Bruins Beat listeners. Have a great rest of your week. Teenage Wings.